Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Hi, welcome back to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And on this episode, I sat down with Mike White and he didn't know at the time that Enlightened would be canceled. It just was canceled, which means that it won't be returning for season three. However, I strongly encourage you to watch season one and season two and not to feel too sorry for Mike, although I feel sorry for us because I know it's just the beginning of a new chapter. He has had a remarkable career uh, thus far, and I know he will continue to do so in creating projects he cares about, whether it's in film or television, and Enlighten was just one more example of that. He also did School of Rock and The Good Girl and Chuck and Buck and had a couple staff jobs, including writing for Freaks and Geeks, but has always preferred to be on his own, which he talks about um, in our interview. I can't articulate what a marvelous and special human being he is and how admirable he is to go to the beat of his own drum. So without further ado, here's my interview with the lovely and talented Mike White. Um, can I ask you one question? Sometimes I see pictures of you and you do these like hand sign. Uh-huh. What is that for? I don't know. It's just something to do with my hands when people take my picture. And then it just became something that I always do. You know, somebody, there was, I'm from a religious family and, and sometimes there's like weird, not weird, but like religious people that like I, I still are, is in my, still in my circle. Yeah. And they constantly will say uh, it, it's the devil signs. Oh. So they or it isn't in my mind, but in their mind it is. So they're like, "Why are you making the devil sign in all your photos?" Spock does it. Um, Spock was the first Jewish astronaut, and he the sign he makes is yeah. That's actually different. like the rabbinical sign. That, oh really? Because he grew up really religious Jewish. Oh oh, I see. And is so that, like when is I first, that really what it yeah. was? <laughs> and so that's like when they bless you, right. when the rabbi blesses you, they do that. And I remember like going to temple and being like, "They're they're copying." Was the other way Maybe around. I should change it more to the if I if it was my pinky and my thumb it would be the kind of Circle. hang loose, but with the 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 forefinger and then the pinky it's it's like devil horns. Maybe you should learn sign language and then you'll be signing what you're saying and it'll seem like you're trying to help the community. Just, I have such a I have such a bad I have, I, that brings up bad memories. Sign language? Well, a little bit. I blame sign language for me getting eliminated from the Amazing Race. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Did you not did you need to know sign language? No. But there was a deaf kid on our on our uh season and it was getting down to there was like six teams left and there was they the the the, the leg we got eliminated, there was like a gorilla? No no. Yeah, a monkey. A picture of a monkey and we were flying into Phuket and we had to find this monkey. Yes. And and the monkey was doing something weird with its hands and and the deaf kid the night before was like, oh, I know what where it is because you can tell from the hand signals. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's in sign language what he's, where he is. Like, and he completely got in my head and I was like, I was like, I, and I was like, why, tell me. And I was like, I was up all night on the plane trying to figure out how I could like find out sign language, what this was or wherever. To, and like I lost, I slept, I did not sleep for two seconds. And then it turned out it was a whole, it was totally bullshit. And that, like, I was, like, running, and then the next day when we were running around looking for this gorilla, like, I was so tired and, like, over it because I'd been up all night. And so I was just kind of, like, like was flagging. 
And then it turned out that he was lying to me and I was just, and I'm still pissed. I'm pissed at him. But it made your dad's puns seem much, much sweeter and, and well, less of a Well, I mean, my dad had good puns whether we were, <laughs> you know, winning or losing, so. Is he on Twitter? Who, my your dad? dad? Yeah. I believe so. I don't follow him actually though. Or maybe I do. I don't, I don't really, he like, it's almost like a compulsive pathology that he has to pun all the time. And the more nervous he gets, the more the puns just keep flying. And so I'm like, enough of the puns. I have it too. It's a nervous time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he cannot stop. (laughs) Some of them are kind of inspired, but like, I guess if you do it all the time, you're bound to have a couple inspired ones. After winning the independent spirit, awards and being nominated for all these other awards and getting all this critical acclaim what's it like to finally win the employee of the month award well it's you know what i didn't realize it would be a it's a it's a pretty great honor except for the fact that it's a picture of me which i don't know i have enough of those but i'm 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 excited thank you you can also trade if you see another employee of the month you can i could place it over my face no i meant you can trade with them like rachel maddow and gloria steinem swapped their awards i'm like Oh, really? I yeah. doubt I would smell swamp line. I'm, I'm a little too much of a narcissist. But thank you. I guess it's exciting. Okay, good. I'm really glad to have you on. So I know you've talked a lot about having Sam Shepard's mom as your teacher in second grade. And I was just curious, did you learn structure at that age too? Uh, no. <laughs> to play running? Because I know you were inspired and you were watching Oh, no, no, yeah. I mean, I just, and... I didn't understand. Any, I mean, it was like in second grade, I didn't know what anything was. But I was... I really liked words and I used to have like this packet of words that I would walk around with and I just liked words and then when I saw plays I liked I liked how spare it was on the page it wasn't yes. like big chunks and it was like and there was kind of it was just like the way the it, almost like the margins I was just into <laughs> and the idea that it was people talking and I don't know I got really into the idea of writing dialogue I, I remember just liking um, certain scripts just the way that they were like assembled on the page I mean even anal still to this day of how to like margin my scripts so how do you margin it it's just different things like I I like to have certain things in bold that most people don't put in bold and I have a little it's like I like it to look clean on the page I don't like things that like continue on the next thing and you know it's just like it to look pretty yeah in my own head I'm sure it doesn't look pretty but it like in my own head and if I look at a script and it seems like a little like haphazardly margined or yes. like weird fonts or whatever it, it's a turn off but which fonts are weird you mean if it's not career 12 not necessarily fonts but like certain things where you go this person isn't like that they you know it's like it's stuff is too jammed in paragraphs i know that it, like now you know they say that you're only supposed to have one space between the uh, period and the beginning of the next sentence mm-hmm. so i am so like when i see it like that it seems wrong to me and so i i like negative space yeah and so it's I like i didn't know that phrase until i came to Hollywood. Well, whatever. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. Whatever. However, you, whatever non-pretentious way of putting it. Like, it's just. Like, I don't know I if just, it's pretentious. It was just. A, it's a funny. No, thing I just to do learn. like I like. You know, I don't like it to be too dense on the page. Yeah. It makes you feel like it's going to be labored to read. Yeah. You want it to seem like inviting to read it. I've been told many times that I have to have more negative space. Yeah. If it's just too, you know, you start to seem like a graphomaniac. Well, it also makes sense because you're writing something that has to be seen. And so I think there's something to like writing it in a script that 
pays attention to visual because actually your work is going to be seen in that way. Well, it's also, I think that scripts in general are just like, I don't know, there's something about it because it's not actually the thing itself. It's just the hope of a thing. Somehow it feels like more like drudgery to read it because like a book, it's more like, this is it. You are doing the, you are actively doing the thing that it was meant to do. While well, no, a script is, is sort of like a hint of something to come. It feels like to keep people's interest through the whole thing, you have to do whatever you can. Yeah, I, I get it now. Like, but I just remember when I first, I mean, I was clearly coming from a doctorate in clinical psych and like, <laughs> yeah, these well, labor that, long. Would, that would actually yeah, <laughs> have a whole you know, different kind of aesthetic. Long essays. Wait, so, and then when you went to Wesleyan, was the film department already so prestigious? Because as my understanding, when I went to Wesleyan, you guys had made it prestigious. Like I knew- You it, went to Wesleyan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I'm barely 19, so I just graduated. But... Okay, well, congratulations. <laughs> I, uh, one could argue I, a couple You know, what's funny back. is I went to Wesleyan. My whole idea of going to college was to get away from L.A. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in the industry, but I grew up here, and I went and saw movies a lot. And, you know, I had this fantasy of going... I didn't apply to any schools in California. I really just wanted to go somewhere on the East Coast that was, like, going to be this, like, you know, I don't know, the good books kind of, like, yeah. education. great books. And so, like, I, cho I chose Wesleyan because it seemed very liberal and people seemed very, like, involved in different things. But I had no idea that it had a film department that people uh, considered yeah. to be good. Nor did I ever take a... F I took one film class the entire time I was there. Is that right? And, and it seemed, like, kind of cultish and it was, like, the kind of thing, like, where... Yes. And there was a real focus on genre, yes. which I thought was weird. And so I just kind of stayed clear of it. Like, I never really met Janine ba Basinger the entire time I was there. And I also just had some weird antipathy toward it for some, like, knee-jerk reason. I was probably totally unfounded. But because of it, I I never... They, they claimed me, me now, but yes. I, I never really was involved. This gives me great hope, because I, I definitely was... I was in social service and, and very active in, um, you know political things on campus and then to to um hear that because they they really do claim you so that like when I was there I'm I'm I think five years younger than you um you were very well known I mean I remember going to see a Chuck and Buck screening I remember going to see well it's cool Star I mean, I, I, I mean it's not, not like I don't friend. I mean I, you know whatever I think you know a lot of great people have come out of there and there were a lot of people in my when I was there that were into movies you know, and they did allow a lot of people making stuff, which I think was the most important thing. But I felt like as a, I was really more of a writer and I just wanted the ability to, yeah, like I, I felt like in like the theater world or like English or whatever, I had more capacity to just do the things I wanted to do. I felt like the movie, the film department was much more like you had to like. You have a North Face jacket. I guess you guys didn't have North Face back then, but you have to have like a North Face parka oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be like. I, uh, it was, I never got it sucked into that. And so then when you came back out here, did you have connections in the film business? Like how did you, how did you segue then? Did you major in English It was or actually, I did have a connection through Wesleyan and it was somebody who was, it was a film major, but I spent a lot of time at Wesleyan. When I was there, there was something, I don't, I hope it's still there, but it was called Captain Partridge. No, what is that? It's not like Alan Partridge. Really, like they don't me, have that anymore. You. That's too uh -huh. bad. No. Captain Partridge was like the um, student-written theater. I'm sure he's retired because he was old when I was there. This guy Tony Connor was a poet and a and a playwright, and he had created this thing called Captain Partridge, which was basically every Friday night they would do like five pieces. There was a class called Writing for the Stage, and they would do like five pieces of students' work, and it would run, you know, Friday nights or something for two performances. 
And so it was like a constant place where you could like write little either realistic or experimental theater stuff. And it was something that I did my, you know, for the four years that I was oh, so there. you were I, doing theater there though. But that yeah, is, I and, okay, I, it's, at first I was going to think you were going to say, like, I was a math major. And then no, was, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was interested. I mean, I focused on creative writing. I just didn't take any film classes. Were there any plays at, at the Captain Partridge that were like an Afro- Cuban feminist portrait. This is actually kind of a funny story. My freshman year, the big student play, because every year there was like one person who got the main stage at the CFA for their oh, wow. for their written like theater like yeah which uh, is a beautiful yeah. stage I've performed on there since then yeah yeah, yeah. Fresh, my freshman year it was Dar Williams oh wow of she course. was a <laughs> she was a playwright at the time I and didn't know she that. was not a folk singer or saying or I don't know, maybe she did but it was not anything anyone knew about her. And I was like a stagehand on that play. And it was like a kind of like stereotypical Wesleyan play. It was about Native Americans <laughs> and like feminism. It was. It was like this whole thing. And it was like, you know, it was about this like white girl who like got in with these Native Americans. And I don't remember the whole thing, but it was really, really Wait. PC and pretentious. But like in like kind of like a comical way. And like there was this like female director who was directing it who was like she would cry every in every rehearsal. <laughs> and like she was always like throwing herself down on the there was just a lot of comical characters. And so for Captain Partridge, I did a, like a very, I thought, very veiled parody of the production. <laughs> and I got Dar Williams says to this day that seeing my parody of her play made her give up playwriting and become the folk singer that she is today. But I, I actually think that is good because like if you can't handle well, it, it was very asshole-ish of me to do it. But at the same it time, you know what? I'm but... a big fan of Dar Williams as a folk singer. So yeah. in that sense, although if had she been as talented as a playwright, who knows? She could be, I yeah. don't know. You could have ruined her. Can I just like do, this is totally unrelated <laughs> to our interview, but my first, like, when I started in stand-up, I would do a fake modern dance concert. Let me see if I can do this on the thing. I'd be like, racism. And then I'd just, like, walk around the stage. <laughs> I'd be like, Native Americans. And, like, no one would laugh, but you yeah. had to go to Wesleyan because right. that was every single freaking weekend was going to these concerts and i also love all these people like i right. i like i'm only making fun of it because it's something yeah yeah, I struggle yeah. well with. i was really into it too but it, yeah it, the, this parody involved <laughs> there's this guy who's african-american who's my friend and i was white and we did this like sort of performance art piece and i was all in white and he was all in black and then like you know it was it was like <laughs> and like i he gave birth to me through his thing and then oh. and then it was yeah we got and then we had like I don't know, powdered donuts on stage and we ate them. What, I don't know. what were those supposed to be for? The powdered donuts? Well, it was like, if, at the, the beginning it was the play and then it like turned into like a behind the scenes where the director came out and there was giving like, you know, like we were being, oh God, I wish I had these things still. But like, and so then we, as, we, as the director and the writer were conferring on stage as pretending to be Dar Williams and the, the director, yes, me and the other guy took a five minute break and we started eating donuts on the thing. And I don't know, it just became, it was very like, there was a lot of psych gags. It was actually funny, I think. People it really, really liked it, but like really Dar funny. was like devastated. I was pissed at her because she had, I'd written a, like a short piece that she directed for Captain Partridge. And it was about, it was called something about like, it was about two women who were basically fighting over the same guy. And it was, it and was, you felt that was heterosexist. It was about how women like, you know, taught, like it, it was, it was a kind of a little bit of a satire about how women can, you know, turn on a dime once they are like, you know, 
like that they can be very sort of pro pro woman and then suddenly when a guy comes in they're like they they turn yes. on each other or whatever yes but like Become and so primal. dar directed the thing and then at, during this like critique session which we always had at the end of the second performance with the professor she compl- started like completely distancing herself from the thing and like was like said all these things about what bothered her about the piece and i was like you know what you've been directing this for a week and a half yeah, like, why are you taking this moment in front of everybody to say something that you could have just said to me all along? Why right. did you choose to do it? And so, like, I kind of got into it with her. And I think something about it made me mad. So that's part of like, what inspired me to write this other thing that was just kind of a, like a rip on her thing. And so, like, it's, what's funny is, like, I'm actually a big Dar Williams fan. Like, yes. as far as, like, I, her music. Like, yeah. I own all her records. Me too. I know all her music. <laughs> and it was, occasionally she's come to LA. She played the Troubadour, and I went and saw her. And every time I see her, like, I go to the show, and I'm like, Afterwards, I'm like, da, 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 da. and the whole time I could just tell is like, she's like going like, is he making fun of me? Is right. this like, she's still like, it's like, I don't think she'll ever like, I, we'll guy. never have, we'll never have peace. I don't think. It's so interesting because I certainly have those sort of bullies in my life. Too. I'm not a bully. I just, <laughs> we just got into it. We just started <laughs> off on the wrong foot, I think. So I, this is it's taking a slight tangent, but because your parents were both religiously quite active, I know that your mom also directed um, the playhouse theater she was, she was an executive a, yeah, director she was an executive director she was, yeah but i was just gonna ask about like in terms of the church did like the pageantry of it at all like appeal to you theater wise or no they're just there are a lot of comedians who like go mm-hmm. into it and their their dads were preachers and that's right. why i was just curious you know, there wasn't, I mean, at my church, where my dad was, there wasn't, I would, Protestant well, pageantry is not a word that I would use. <laughs> there was not much pageantry. Um, or I guess it's evangelical, but it, it's not, I was saying it's Protestant, but it may not it be. It was, it was like, it was actually a congregational church, which is, yeah, more on the sort of Presbyterian side. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't really much pageantry. I mean, I would say that the reason my, you know, one of the reasons I got into movies, though, is my dad was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, but he was a professor of art, uh, media, like, so he was like, his focus was religion and media, and so... So because of that, we would have like the first VHS machine on our block. Like, you know, like, oh, even, though we were, awesome. even though we were religious, yeah. there was, I still like, you know, there were movies and like video equipment and those kinds of things that like, you know, so it wasn't like we were like shut in Amish or, you know what I mean? Like it yes. was, there was like, uh, you know, I, it was, so it was, it was complicated on one level. There was like a lot of you know, conservatism, but at the same time, I had exposure to, like, a, the secular world that a lot of the kids that I grew up with didn't. But he was outspoken in the church growing up, but I was wondering if, like, for people who grow up where their parents are, like, pillars in the community, like, if your dad's in the White House or something, it's very different from, like, a celebrity's kid, where, like, a celebrity's kid can, like, fuck up. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know, did you have any pressure you felt, like, internally or well, otherwise? Well, I like, mean, you know, when I was young... Behave very well... Uh, you know, my family, I think, was seemed like the ideal family up until, like, it all fell apart and my parents got divorced. But, like, it was real. Like, I mean, for my dad, yes. he was gay, so, like, there was always... Like, I'm sure for him it was complicated, but from my ex- experience, like, my parents got along really well. I don't know. It was, my house was the house, like, all the kids wanted to hang out in because everyone seemed to like each other and it was, like, had a good vibe. But so it, seems it even... wasn't it wasn't like a you know it wasn't like you know like the stereotypical like politician family where yes. it was all about putting a, a fake face to the world and, and you know behind closed doors things were you know totally de- demented it was it wasn't like that that certainly didn't like even in the sixty minutes interview where your dad is coming out your your mom is so loving and so graceful 
Yeah, um, my, my parents really did love each other, which is why, you know, when my dad came out and they divorced, it was painful because, yeah, it was, it was not, you know, it's like, I think they, I mean, they still want to, like, go on vacations with each other. Like, do. I think they're really bonded, and so it made it a very, like, extended divorce because it was like they... They had a lot of reasons to want to stay together beyond just, you know, like people's, the other people's opinions or the, that kind of thing. I had some very objectively painful things happen to me as a kid and none of them hurt as much as the ambiguity of my parents' divorce. I, f- I feel like the, yeah, there the was confusing a t- part of nature of people like who I love was you. Like, just get it over. Just do it. You know, it would have had, you know, and there are certain ways that it might have been easier had they you know, fought and then just, you know, it was over. But at the same time now I, I benefit from the fact that, you know, we can all get together on, you know, vacation, yeah. uh, not vacations, but like, you know, holidays and that kind of thing. You can go on vacation too if you want. And we actually, I was, I was looking at like real estate and I brought my parent, both of my parents with me. So it was, yeah, it's not like that's out of, out out of, of the realm. question. Um, do you, do you envy their, their ability to be devout? I was just curious because it, You've talked a lot about going on your own um, journey to like figure out Buddhism and and I was uh, my brother is a peace activist in the Middle East and he's like really religious and I think it makes him oh, yeah. better at it because uh-huh. like he actually values right those can... religions versus being like why don't you just make a new home somewhere else which uh-huh. is my approach <laughs> and I envy his ability to believe in something larger than himself in that way and I didn't know if um no I don't really inv- I, I I still find it weird. Okay. You're still able to look at it at, for what it is. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I like, especially, like, I don't, you know, I, uh, I, I mean, I respect it, but I don't, um, I wouldn't say I envy it, no. And have you, have you, because you do read Buddhism and things like that, you mm-hmm. do, do you still meditate and, and. I mean, I don't, I'm not that dutiful. Like, I will go through periods where I'm into it and then it'll flag and then I'll get back into it. Yeah. I think I get a lot out of it, but I also feel like there's this kind of thing where I see, you know, it's like this is, this will be heretical to some circles, but okay. I do think that like it can be a compulsive thing too. Yeah. Well, and there and that like that I think, you know, it's something that I do agree that like the daily act is it's like, you know, exercising a muscle in a sense. You know, maybe it's because in English where, you know, you can be a quick study and read the book like two minutes before class and still bullshit your way through it. Like meditation is a little bit like it's like, you know, I can sit down for three minutes and be like, okay, I I remember what this gives you. And then I I know that's completely antithetical to all of the like the screeds that are pro meditation. But I do. But I I, there is a part of me in the back of my head. It's a little bit I, I have a like I'm very skeptical about TM. Which is what everybody's into oh, trans- over here. Oh, transcendental meditation, right. Which is a non-sort of... I mean, I, I do think there's, like, a religious component, but they don't like to, like, really Oh, but there's a cultish quality to all of these things, too. And there's but also the TM, it's, like, very much industry. about not about... You know, what I like about meditation is, like... I like the idea, the philosophy has been, like, Buddhist meditation because it's, like, about connecting to suffering and connecting to... Yeah, that's the one I know. ...being, you know, like, loving-kindness, Tonglen type of meditation. I like that because I feel like that's... I don't know, there's something about that that I feel like is... But, like, meditation that's simply about, like, going into this, like, deep kind of REM thing or whatever yeah. is, is... There's just something... No, and there, no, and it's, it's good. To, I think it's The good. craziest people I've met are... A lot of them are TMers, so I don't know. Whatever it's doing. So <laughs> funny know. that you said that. I'm subletting a shed from this guy, and uh, he was really into meditation. I was trying to be nice about it, and I was like, oh, that's that's great. 
And he's like, do you meditate? And I was like, yeah, I grew up doing it. I had this crazy aunt and uncle who had a guru. And he's like, do you still have your mantra? And it like became this like competitive thing. And I was like, I don't, I don't have a mantra. <laughs> I have a mantra. I know my mantra. What's your mantra? Well, I I'm guess I'm the only one who's inadequate. Oh, sorry. You're not allowed to share you're that. Not, well, that's the, I mean, in TM, you're not supposed to tell your mantra. Because okay. the whole thing is they this is you why you have to learn pay sign for it. language. You, you have, have to pay, pay for, for the mantra. your mantra? Yeah. Okay, that's baloney. You have to pay $1,500 for your mantra. You got to be kidding. No, I'm not kidding. But that's totally antithetical to, to the, the idea that one can f- find space within and doesn't need to rely on material. I'm sorry, but that's like But absurd. that's how they, they, they pay for their instructors. And, then, and I mean, they do do good things. They like, you know, they deal with like, Iraq, you know, people, they go into schools and they, you know, Iraq, you know, like war veterans and those kinds of things. I mean, I, I, I think there's, I mean, I, I don't want to be totally anti TM, but there is something a little bit weird about like, you know, it's like, and then you're not supposed to say, if you go online, you can like, like you can find out what your mantra is because it's all it's like a again I'm not supposed to it's like you're not supposed to like like reveal yeah, but these secrets but can, like basically it's, it's all about your age and your gender so if you're whatever age you are I love that you're like whatever gender you are whatever gender or age you are you can go on and you can find out what your 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 mantra is I find that I'm I never knew that stuff and I'm, I find that absurd one of, one of the things that I really like admire about you one of the many is that like you've made a career doing what you want like it's your voice always in your work but then you also have talked about like being able to make a living and um like affording someone who can walk your dogs for you or things like that like how did you figure out like how to how to get someone to walk my dogs <laughs> now how to like make money and like still still oh. really do projects that you value you know it's it's honestly it's it's not effortless you know, like, it, yeah, I, I've been able to make a good living, but part of it, it has to do with just putting all my eggs into, I don't have a very balanced life. I work really hard. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, as far as like being able to pivot toward the marketplace, because I've written a couple of things that were commercial, it's allowed me to have a better, whatever quote, or like, you know, okay. that you can, you know, like you make School of Rock and that makes money. But I have no idea what, like, the most money I've ever made in my life is $70,000 and the, the least is 20000 So I have, I don't really know what that means when people right. say Right. Well, like, I mean, again, I don't get paid as much as, I mean, for the amount of movies I've had made and shows that I've had made, I probably make a lot less than a lot of people. Because in the end, like, I don't follow the money. It's like, once I wrote School of Rock, like, then, you know, the next thing, you know, like, I would do is, like, you're the dog. It's like, it's not like I'm not, you know, it's like anytime I could actually capitalize on whatever modicum of success something I've done has, I've sort of moved off into doing something else. And so... But that's because, you know, I never really came out here to make money. I never really thought I could make money. And I've never really been, you know, it's like, it's nice to be able to, you know, have a house and to, like, you know, help my mom out of debt or whatever it is. But, like, I don't really, I mean, personally, I, you know, there's a lot of people out here who make a ton of money. And, yeah. and, and that I'm not impressed by that. But <laughs> I'm so much more impressed by you because you've, you've decided I'm making enough and then you also do your own, like just but even that, figuring I mean, out how to navigate the art, it. I mean, to me, that's the artist's path. I mean, it's like if money was like a driving factor, then I don't know, I'd be a different, just, it would just there, be a different thing. Are there any projects you did where you feel like you did that because it was a day job? Yeah, I mean, I've taken certain jobs. The way most people make money is by coming on and rewriting, you know, movies that are, 
either going or you know like there's like there's like this whole world of rewriting and every time I've ever done that I've been like totally panic stricken because I'm like I don't know what people want to see I don't like it's like I only know how to like you know write something that I you know it's like I can't do that but occasionally like if somebody who's a friend of mine who's a director or something where there's some other reason to do it besides just that there's a job and they want me to do it then sometimes I will do it I you know my first assistant has become a successful director in the first movie he made was uh, this movie called Zombieland. Oh, wow. And obviously Zombieland isn't like necessarily like right in my wheelhouse, but they were doing reshoots and like he was like, can you help me? And I got paid, which was nice, but it was also really to like work with him and you know do I don't know so there's other reasons to do it but I mean some people are really skilled at that you know but like as you said my stuff tends to be kind of I don't know voicey or specific you know it's like some people I think are good decorators and some people are good architects and I'm more of the I need to build the house I can't I'm not good at like moving the furniture around that was my problem when I was on staff and I had writers working for me because they would write versions of the show that I was doing and I, and they were completely valid and, and they were talented writers. But I would look at the script and I'd be like, this is, it would just feel like other. Is this on me. Freaks and Geeks or Dawson's Creek? Well, Freaks and Geeks, I was working on someone else's show. Okay. But that was kind of the last time I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't like just try to like meld my voice into someone else's yes. thing. Not that that was a bad show or that a bad experience. It was a great show. I just felt like I got to the edge of like, I need to either, you know, crash and burn on my own. I just couldn't figure out how to just, I don't know, be be on someone else's. I'm not a very good employee that way. But then, like, with, with Enlightened and with, like, Nacho Libre and School of Rock, you're collaborating with Mike, you know, with uh, Mike. <laughs> you're, you're collaborating with yourself. Um, you're co- collaborating with either Jack Black there or with Yeah, Laura I mean, Darn. Nacho Libre was a very unique thing where I was basically, I Two mean, I was writers, just kind of right? helping Jared find his like yeah his, like some stru- like I was kind of helping him structure his, his vision in a sense and I it was more like I'd had a nervous breakdown right before that and I just kind of wanted to like the idea of like going to Mexico and it wasn't all on my shoulders and just being a party to somebody else's vision sounded like a good thing at the time so that was yeah but yeah I mean obviously you're taking other people's stuff that, I mean you have it's not like I don't collaborate or whatever but it, I just I tend to find more pleasure in like you know being have the authorial voice I guess mm-hmm. I love also that you do talk about having a breakdown I, ha- I had one in in high school and was hospitalized and it's like such a weird experience and it made me so much more sensitive to like foster care because I didn't belong in the hospital like the people in there were so fucked from life like there was a girl who had been raped so many times by the time she was five Mm. that like she didn't know who you know who was doing and like you get there and you're just like I don't belong here I'm just having like yeah stress (laughs) like I grew up in a neighborhood like the one you live in Mm -hmm. you know I mean I certainly came from um well Which enough. doesn't mean the horrible things don't happen in no. pretty neighborhoods. Yes, I know. I know. That's totally... No, and but that's much more empathy but for me than I probably have for myself. But at the same time, I, I like, I met... Robbie Bates was on my show. He's a playwright, and he also had a, and a breakdown. I was, I was grateful that he talked about it as an adult because it's something that I've really, like, always been quite ashamed of. It was funny, of. just like the other day, I don't know, there was, like, some headline that was, like, enlightened creator admits to nervous breakdown. And I was, like... I mean, a nervous breakdown in the end is really just 
yeah, your stress overwhelming you. Yes. And in this world, it's so it seems so natural, uh, such well, a natural reaction. And to also like a it. probably better one than you know taking a baseball bat and killing someone. <laughs> and and, and that hurting is a people. version of a nervous breakdown. I well, no, I do think that like you know people who act out by getting fucking wasted. Yeah. And acting like a total asshole. Is, yeah. It, at least it's like towards oneself and not yeah. towards others. Right. I mean, it's a little safer. Right. Right. <laughs> if you're gonna go one way or the other. Yeah. Do you know if Enlightened is... Are we going to get another... We don't know. You still don't know? I thought I would know but before now, but I don't. Um, what is it like What is it like living in the gray? I mean, today it kind of sucks because I'm trying to get work done and it's like there's a lot of mental effort it takes to like write a season of a show, even if it's like eight episodes or ten episodes. I, it's it, like a lot. It so feels it's like, like novels. It feels like you're writing these... Uh, or novellas, these stories. Well, it's, it definitely... It's, there's a lot of thought that goes into it and so it's like... The idea that, like, either I'm about to, you know, because I know that if they do want it to come back, they're going to be like, and we need to go right now. It'll it'll be, like, you know, full steam ahead. And so it's, like, that kind of thing, like, am I about to, like, embark on another experience or am I free? It's, like, two, such two different. And also it's frustrating when you realize, like, someone else has, you know, it's, it's just those moments where you're, like, I am not in charge of my own destiny. Like, this is not about what I want. This is just literally someone else's decision and it's you know it's like and there's always some part of that that's just just like very irritating yes i definitely have a similar personality to you <laughs> well i think everybody i mean it's a natural reaction but it's like no some it's one are, thing after are, a couple of weeks are... so you're just like well yeah i mean i don't i don't know i mean I... it's the nature of this business but it's just it's frustrating so what do you do logistically like do you start writing future episodes or do you wait until no, they no no i mean i'm not gonna write anything until because that part would then be heartbreaking a little bit more yes. once you start really you know it's like when you're if you're pregnant and you you know you name the kid and you start buying the clothes and it's like you're still in your first trimester it's like maybe you should wait a couple yes. months before yes. you start uh, yeah so it's a little bit like that where it's just like i i need to know that this baby's going to be born before i get too like imaginative about it so then when you wrote the end of the second season like did you write it with the notion that like oh i may not get a third yeah, well, this is, I mean, the season actually was written to, I thought that it wouldn't get a third. I was pretty sure, based on our numbers and just the experience or whatever, that I, this was over. So I did write it for closure, and it seemed like it was going to end. And then in the last couple of weeks, it felt like, I was like, maybe there actually is, you know, because there was just a, this kind of online push to keep the show. Yeah, and no, no, it, I mean, it's, it's people e- like me love it. Even if the ratings aren't big. And I do think that's meaningful to HBO, but I just don't know to what degree. And I, and I, you know, it's like I know they like me, and I know they they're proud of the show, and and um, so you well, know. Well, it's like Girls invites an audience that they wouldn't normally have. So let's say that I don't know what the ratings are on Girls, and I love the show, but it, more importantly to HBO as a company, they're like, oh great, we're we're opening ourselves up to this young female demographic and right. male, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily have uh-huh. um, otherwise. So sometimes they may keep shows. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, I don't know if Enlightened fits that thing, though. Is The thing is, like, I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of passionate people, people passionate about the show. They tend to be people that are, like, TV smarty pants people, you know? And, like, those people, I don't think, are going to cancel their HBO subscriptions if Enlightened doesn't come back. Although you never know. I don't know. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be cynical because I feel like HBO's... I think the reason that I haven't heard is because HBO really is taking it seriously and it's just like, but I, you know, my hope is that at um, some point they'll just make a decision one way or another so I can move on with my life or, you know, 
or not. And then are you working on the Santa, the um, this Santa film? Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be writing right now. Okay, but I'm sorry. having trouble. Uh, oh, good. Oh, good. Then we're, we're, this is productive, not unproductive. No, this is like a script I've owed for years at this point because, and I'm keep, it's, you know, the show is just kind of consume me. And the problem is like, even when I'm not working on the show, it's still kind of consumes me. So it's hard to switch gears until I have some resolution about what's happening. And then you do acting also. like Not really. Mainly in your own things. Mostly, yeah. I mean, I've, if I've ever acted in other things, it's because somebody asked me to do it, and it would just seem fun at the time. This is but I've t- never really... I've only auditioned really once. <laughs> what was that for? Well, The Amazing Race you auditioned for. Well, that's not exactly... A, I didn't have to, like, prepare any lines. The truth is, when I first... When Chuck and Buck first came out... Wait, did you know you were, like, a shoe-in for The Amazing Race? No, I made a tape, an audition okay. tape, but it so wasn't there. an audition. So like, there. <laughs> well, it's a different kind of thing. It's not like I'm reading lines or whatever. It was like a little goofy video that we made around town. Okay, but that's still like... Right. It didn't. I didn't have any um, anxiety it. over that. That was just pure fun. <laughs> it seems like... Uh, real auditions are more anxious. It seems like so much fun. Were you ever worried about your hands as a writer? Like, were you ever like, oh my God, I can't destroy these? No, you didn't even think My so. hands? Because you write. Oh, right. But at this point in this world, I think you could easily write without your hands. What would you use your... Uh, they, I mean, they have... My teeth are so good that maybe I can no, just No, they have, like... You, I mean, you can, you, can, you can speak and things, you know, like... there's. I'm aware of that. I'm aware. Armless I got it. writers all over the world. <laughs> 97% of Afro-Cuban <laughs> feminist writers are actually armless. Are, are armless. Just so you... Does, if you leave this interview with one, one new fact, that should be that. Um, you also seem to have a, a ridiculous amount of fun I, I was curious that you like did something with Shirley MacLaine where you went to some past uh-huh. life regression what what was that I became friends I met Shirley MacLaine at a party and we kind of hit it off and so we I, I would have lunch with her occasionally and of course whenever I would have lunch with her I was always like asking about the metaphysical stuff because that's I know it's a trip I mean how could you not <laughs> in a sense like I'm more interested in that than like what was it like hanging out with the rat pack but, uh, well, because any answer there is going to be so contrived. I don't know. It's well, like, no, she, I mean, the truth is she's very, like, I mean, candid. Shirley's awesome in the sense that she's she's super smart and, yeah. like, very yes. insightful. But then, it, like, has this, like, metaphysical side. So she's just out of nowhere. She'll just knock you with, like, oh, yeah, I'm communicating with these Russian cosmonauts through telekinesis. And they're telling me, Mike, that we're fucking up the planet or whatever. You're just like, What? So, uh, but then we went, yeah, so she, so at one point when I was asking her about all this stuff, she was just like, I'm not talking about this anymore with you until you have your past lives done. I die, I refuse. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I went to this woman that she did hers, um, who's in Galisteo, New Mexico, called the Light Institute, which you can look up online. And you can go yourself, but it's, uh, and so for four days I did a past life regression intensive with this woman for four days. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. It's funny. Anyway, so if you look around my house, there's, I don't think there's any in here, but there's all these past life paintings that are actually, I hired an artist to um, do sort of, kind of artistic renderings of some of the past lives that came out of this like four day session it seems super fun the experience of it was more trippy than fun i mean it wasn't like i i didn't absurd 
One, they don't tell you the past lives. You tell them. Is it also $1,500? Oh, I'm sure it was more than that. I just feel like this religion is retired. such an she industry, she... though. I feel like in all the... I mean, I feel that way about the monotheistic religions as well. <clears throat> well, it's definitely an industry, but, you know, people... You know, even religious, like, kooks have to pay the bills. Have you seen Teflo Dollars? Oh, no, because you're, you're on the West Coast. Teflo Dollars? He's amazing. He's a he's a um, evangelical minister. He's got such great suits. Mm. Well, yeah, so uh, I don't... You know, I, I mean, I, yes, it's definitely an industry, but I don't think... I don't think it's a scam in the sense that I don't. I think that there's anything cynical about what these people are doing. They, well, Teflo Dollar, there is something cynical. Okay, about well, it. this, you know, whether you end up believing it or not or whatever, they believe it. Right, and right. they Meaning just like, are just trying to provide a service and keep in business, and not necessarily in business, but like keep their building. You know, they have to like pay the rent. No, no, food. that stuff I totally appreciate. But what I would rather, instead of you need to pay for your mantra, what I would rather is we need to pay for the building, and we need to pay for the teachers, and we need to make sure that they have health insurance. Right. That to me makes perfect sense. You know what? Telling I I, that, I don't like, disagree. At the same time, you know, like. You know, when a woman is standing over you for like five hours, you know, doing a little cranial sacral massage, it's a service. You're, you're, I think she should be paid for it. I think she should be paid for that. You're paying for that. But I do, there is something about the mantra thing. It's like a weird, like, I do think there, there, I agree with you. There was something about when I sat with the TM person and then wrote the check and then she's like, well, this is your mantra. You can't tell anyone your mantra. It felt a little like, yeah, it felt a little goof. Yeah, and it's it's true in every single religion. I mean, I, I'm not just singling out transcendental meditation. I'm I, I feel this way in every in the monotheistic religions as well, where there are ways that like it should just be more transparent. And if you said like you're paying for this person's salary or their health insurance, I'd be like, of course, right. absolutely, yeah. But the idea that I'm paying for you to enlighten me in a way that I wouldn't know otherwise. Well, that there's like, like a, that the mantra actually is it has a financial um yes me it, right price. yeah to it. That another human can But I think they do him. give mantras to people who are... Um, On scholarship? Know. Yeah, scholarship they have, like, they have diversity scholarships. I Except if you're a woman mantras. in comedy, you're still not diverse enough. No, you wouldn't it's be. It's really you upsetting. Be <laughs> You'd have to go to Iraq or something. I, I probably should go there and become a, um, have a one-woman show about Dar Williams. I would go to that. You would come? Really, Mike? That's, that's right in my wheelhouse. Um, so what do you want to do, do next? I mean, on a day like this, it's really hard to answer. No, that I mean, question. like, yeah, in a couple minutes, what are you going to do next? Oh, what am I going to do next? <laughs> Actually, I'm going over the Writers Guild to debate violence in media. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm not prepared. Um, do you want to take two minutes to prepare for it? Well, I don't really think I'm coming to it as like an expert. I'm there's a um, panel that they assembled, and I'd written an op-ed piece for the New York Times, and probably I read it. which is why I uh, was included. And it's not because I'm like, I feel like I'm an expert on like, you know, studies show that people who watch about, you know, like, but I, I think I'm on, I think they asked me to be on the, on the anti-violence side, which is not necessarily such a, it's not so simple as that. To me, it's just about, I, I, it drives me crazy when people say, oh, it's just a movie and movies, you know, like as if that doesn't have any, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think that like, you know, obviously art, movies, entertainment influences us. Everything influences us, in my opinion. Exactly. Like, if I go into Starbucks and I'm, like, irritated and, like, yelling at the server and, like, 
pushing people or whatever, obviously everybody who's in that Starbucks is going to walk out feeling a little differently than they did when they came in. You know what I mean? And I think totally. that movies are the same thing. It's like if you're putting a lot of like grisly, gruesome, horrible things out there and, and you have this, you know, you know, captivated audience for an hour and a half, like it has some impact on them. Oh, I, it doesn't mean that I think that everyone's going to run out and like shoot people you know but i do think in a world where people obviously do have guns yes and there are crazy people in this country well, that like you know it, it just it just makes you question like what are you putting out there like you know do we have some responsibility to at least discuss it and i just find that it's very it feels, feels very easy to be like oh it's just a movie because we've spent our i mean everybody has you know it's like when positive connections are made between movies and the culture you know we're the first to take credit for it and it's like and then if they say if something negative is is like oh it's just a movie and it's just like that just seems like it's the same thing as you know to me it's just about business and it's about the industry and people not wanting to hurt their bottom line and it's like and 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 why can't they be conscious about it and say like yeah it is a problem so like let's let's talk about it which is what we're doing in the writers guild so it's like i you know i i respect any even if you know somebody's there on the like you know i mean to to participate in the conversation i think is the most important thing at this point you know it's like to not just pass the laws are the most important well yeah i'm talking about like internally within our industry like you know that instead of just saying oh it's the gun you know it's the gun industry's problem and this isn't our problem obviously i think guns are a much you know as far as like causing violence like there's nothing you know more directly causing the violence in guns so it's like it's but not the like culture I would... of violence we're part of a culture yeah we're of violence a part of it yeah i mean we, we are a part of it it's yeah. like obviously you know the anxiety that people feel and just and i do think there's something disturbing about how when wars become games like with drones and da, 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 and yes. games are all about war and you know it's like you know what we've done and you know our country has done for the last couple you know decade or so it's like how we've been able to you know, be at war and not feel at war is so connected to the, the cult, the entertainment culture. It doesn't mean that like, this is the problem, but it is part of why we, we disconnect from the stuff that we're doing, the stuff that's done, you know, by our own government. Right. Like at the same time where there's been this titillation of violence and everything from video games to television and film in a level that we've never had before because the internet and things like that were well, more people have access to it. The, you we're realize, also you realize in the media, it's like in order to make noise to like get people to see your thing or it's just like this outdoing yourself, you know? And yeah. you can almost see it in a way. I mean, and this feels like a, you know, I'm people will find fault with this for being such a stretch. But like when you think of these kids going in and shooting all these people, in a way, it's this, like, crazy extreme version of, like, trying to get attention, trying to... Oh, very much you know, it's so. Like, and it's, like, and you see in, sometimes in entertainment, too, just, like, you know, the way the head explodes off the body. You know, it's like, it's, like, how do we get attention and how do we use violence as a way to make noise and bring attention to ourselves? And that thing, that is, dist- I think, is disturbing. I think also you can see a connection there between jihadists and things like that, where these are cries for help and people are in such desperate situations that they feel that this is an appropriate cry for help. Obviously, that person needs help. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not something to just shy away from. Does it put you in a negative position to take stands on issues? I know that you're also, you know, pro-animal rights and, and um, have, have stood out in behalf of gays, which is just 
ridiculous that you would do that. Um, I know it's terrible. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't feel like I'm, you know, like have you a voiceless, you know, a, oppressed person in the industry. I feel okay. like, but I do feel like, despite not being Jewish. I know. I, I feel like a or a Scientologist. Jew. Oh, you do. You do feel like an <coughs> member of the tribe. I'm happy. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. I feel like I think that there may be a day where I'll go so off the deep end that people will be like, "Oh, don't bring him in. He's like a a, a wackadoo or whatever." But I. But I, I don't know. Like I feel like it's you know it's a lot of the stuff that I feel like I'm saying. I for me, in my mind, it feels very commonsensical. You know, especially I don't feel like it's like, I don't, you know, I've participated. I'm no purist. Like, I've watched everything. And, you know, at some point, you get as you get older, you you know, it's like you just go, this, this is obviously something that needs to, you know, certain things need to be said. Especially with guns where, like, I see how fun it is. Like, when people, like, I understand why people play with guns. It looks like it's so much fun. Motorcycles look so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. the problem is that they're really fun and therefore, like, acting as if it's just really something you should never do. Right. It's more like figuring out how to do it safely. Although I would never have a gun in my house. I well, I just first Too of all, many alcoholics in my world. Is that true? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would not feel safer if I had a gun in my house. Absolutely I would feel not. Way less safe. Yeah, well, because it's usually used against you. That's what you. Yeah, that's I mean, what I women are like taught in self defense. I've managed this long in life without dying at the hands of a perpetrator. I, I, I feel like if I had a gun in my house, it would just. You know, it's like, it's like, it's just like in a movie. If like you see a gun in a movie, you know, someone's going to get it. <laughs> Somebody's going to use it against somebody. I think it's you like, should put that in whatever you do next and not touch it. Like it should just like be this, the <laughs> this odd thing that never gets resolved. It never resolved. gets used. It's like a, yeah. And then it's like, oh, it was an ashtray that it's we got at this mislead. little flea market. <laughs> In Kentucky. Um, thank you so, so much for being such a mensch and for doing this. And I'm, I am thank excited. Thank you for my award. Oh, I'm, I'm Something thrilled. to remember you by. Okay, good. Well, I hope I'm not like. That Over. Like, yeah. That's it, like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, really, I hope I see you again at <laughs> some point. I'm sure you will. But I will have this. This is going to work on the walls. See, so yeah, that's what it's there for. Oh, except. Oh, wait. wait I, I'll fix it. I'll fix it up. No, I can do it myself. I've, I'm pretty handy that way. <laughs> In addition to your many skills as an actor, writer, and director, you are also a handyman. Thank you so, so much, Mike White, and good luck at your um, conference, your speech. Your, Thank you. Your, um, your speech. Your panel. Your panel Thank discussion. You. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I want to thank you for tuning in. You can check out more episodes on iTunes, and you can also go to Employee of the Month Show, employeeofthemonthshow.com to find out about our live tapings, which happen monthly at UCB, both in Los Angeles and New York. And you can also donate if you want. We'd really love it. It could really help us. Thank you so much to Joel Arnold, to Ian Mazoff, to Arthur Lewis, Shockwave, Common Rotation, and to all of you for listening. Have a good one. All right, now I got to go deal with my laundry and taxes. Don't forget to do your taxes. You can do mine too if you want, but definitely do yours.